be looking at 1 Thessalonians 1, but I'm going to read just a short passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him, woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will, with, will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. What's the general message there? Huh? Two is better than one. And how should that um, guide our, what thought should that bring to us? Two is better than one, so what? Oh. All right, companionship is very beneficial. Don't go it alone. God did not intend for us to go it alone. So now let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. <clears throat> and here is what I want us to do. I want us to read this as if we're reading it to our partner that we're joined together with. And the thought there is that we are thankful to God for each other. Okay? So let me read it first, and then you think through it, and then you'll be able to read it both at the same time as if you're reading to each other. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what, what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So we can start at verse 2, and we can go through verse 5. Okay? So let's read 2 through 5 together to each other as encouragement. Here we go, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word 
but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Let me stop there. Okay. So you get the idea, the word of encouragement. Paul is encouraged by these group of believers. He says that he mentions them often in prayer, giving thanks to God uh, for them. Um, he remembers their labor, their work. He mentions it in verse um, glasses on so I can't see the little print. Um, he says, your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. Think about that. Work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. He, he's reminded of their faith, <clears throat> their labor, and their steadfastness. Okay? Their labor of love and their steadfastness, their, their faithfulness. He's reminded of that. And he says to this, we know brothers loved by God. So you, it's like you're talking to the person and say, you are loved by God. You are brother or sister in Christ. You are loved by God. You've been chosen by God. And then that next part, I'm just going to paraphrase. He says the gospel has been real in your life. The gospel has been real in your life. You're here tonight can see that the gospel is real in your life. You could be other places tonight, um, but you're here. And you're here because you've come to pray, because you trust in Christ, and you want to be along around others who are trusting in Christ. And so um, as we pray for each other tonight, it's a prayer of thankfulness. It's a prayer of encouragement. And it's a prayer in remembering uh, their work, their, their value, their purpose, um, their, ser their service to, to us, your service to me, my service to you, and our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's all because of what Christ has done for us. He has made it possible for us to pray tonight, to have communion with God, um, to have fellowship with one another, and to be able to talk for real to God and to mention to him our, our agony, our pains, our suffering, our needs, our, our thankfulness, our glory, uh, our rejoicing, our praise. So we share all of those together um, with each other and to God. So encourage that person next to you as you think through those verses and as you pray um, tonight, as you pray uh, over those verses, remember... Um, what Paul was thankful for, for his fellow uh, brothers and sisters, and what we can be thankful for, uh, for each other. And we can encourage and pray for one another tonight. All right. Saints. For meditation today, we're going to be in the last chapter of the Bible. says and the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of this river the 
tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, but the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each for what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right of the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Spirit and bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the white water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Let's just point out a few things last chapter. I want you to note first the connection with this with multiple other sections in the Bible. The first thing that you'll notice is it says they will see his face. Um, and that's connected to a lot of parts in the Bible, but the Bible says clearly you can't see the face of God and live. Another way that the prophets describe it is, and I was reading this kind of in a commentary, that God can only reveal what we are able to receive. And so God, the blessing of Moses is that he was able to receive God back. But let's say that I went up there with Moses, I might not have came back alive because I was not able to receive what Moses had received. And the same with Jesus, as Jesus appeared in the sermon that we gave on Sunday, Jesus appeared to the apostles and he was shining bright, but you really think that's as bright as he could have shown? No, he shined as bright as he could that they could withstand. 
But when we get into heaven, there will be no censor of God. And it's not that God is doing anything wrong, but it's just we cannot behold his glory. We can't handle him. That's something that is throughout scripture. Another thing is, when he says later on, let the evildoers still do evil, let the wicked do wicked, that is almost an exact quote of Daniel at the end of Daniel. Those of you guys who really know your Bibles, there's a section at the end where he says something quite like this. And if you look at the end of Daniel, you'll see it in the very last chapter. second thing I want to point out is this part tells why it was written. It says, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. get a little frustrated with people who read this book as just curiosity for the future because if you think that you didn't read the whole phrase he didn't just say I'm showing his service what's going to take place so that they can just know something more than everybody else knew he's doing it so that we might keep the words of the prophecy of this book and have hope for his return let's look at the words of Jesus you to do. Let's point out the quotes of Jesus in this chapter. What quotes do you got? Somebody read a quote and tell me what it means. Quote Jesus. And then somebody else can quote the Holy Spirit. But quote Jesus first. What does Jesus say? similar what parts are different here mm -hmm. he says bringing my recompense with me and then why does he say what he says who he is what does that have to do with his recompense? Let's think about that because he has to say who he is. Why? Because he has the power to carry out his threat, right? He's the only one who can make a threat like that. It can hang for thousands of years. It's still a threat, right? It is still a valid threat. All right. What is the third quote of Jesus? Jesus. 
is that similar to the other two quotes? What would you say, honey? Okay. And how is it, what is it saying? these things we can interpret that as the angelic creature but we can also interpret that as John right so he sent his messenger to testify to you about these things for, for the churches for the churches who is he in relation to the churches he's the root and descendant of David the bright morning star now let's talk about that what is root and descendant of David have to do with anything and what does bright morning star have to do with anything? What did they use the morning star for back in the day? Guidance. All right. And what does it mean to be a root and descendant of David? That seems contradictory. Is it contradictory? Actually, it is, right? Think about it. How can somebody be a root and a descendant? A root is like where it starts, right? And a descendant will be where it ends. So that is contradictory. It's meant to bring our attention, right? How can you be the root? That'd be like saying, I'm the father and son of David. Now, is it true? It is true. How can he be the father and son of David? Okay. Okay. It definitely has something to do with that, but I think it has more to do with his nature. In the catechism, we learn about Jesus that he has two natures. What are those two natures? He is God and man. So how can he be the root of David? He's God. How can he be the descendant of David? He's man. He relates to the church as he is a man of the church. And he is God of the church. Right? I guess it wouldn't be technically correct to say he's a man of the church because he's a man married to the church. Right? I guess in some sense he's outside of the church, but he's definitely connected to the church. But you do have this relationship of him being God and man and how that relates to the church. All right. What other things do we point out in this? What last quote did Jesus say? It's just five words. Go ahead. All right. He got one last quote, right? We might miss it. He just said, surely I'm coming soon. Right? I'm coming soon. I'm, re I'm returning. Don't play. I'm coming back. Right? The whole chapter has this weight of urgency to it. But you know what else this chapter has? It has a weight of the whole Bible with it. It's not by accident that this is the last book of the Bible and this is the last chapter of the Bible. It carries with it some curses that apply to the whole Bible, doesn't it? Don't nobody change a word. Don't add. Don't take away. What's the curse for taking away and adding? You no longer save. Whoa! Right? Did I read that wrong? 
I warn everyone who hears the words of this book. If you add to them, God will add the plagues. If you take away, God will take away his share in the tree of life. What does that mean? You ain't going to be in heaven if you mess with this book. And who would mess with this book if they had a destiny of heaven, right? Who would want to distort the words of this book? Satan. Now, I don't think the curse applies as strongly, but I do think the curse slightly applies to all of those who would distort this book. And I think sometimes we can distort this book inaccurately because we just are unpracticing, right? But I think there are some who distort it willingly, and this curse slightly applies to them too. Now, there is forgiveness for those, right? We have had many people who have been false teachers, got saved, and become leaders of the church. Praise God for it. There is a curse for distorting the word of God. And I just want us to just keep that in mind, just the weightiness of this passage. Jesus is quoted four times. There's a curse in this chapter, right? Now, one last thing I want to point out there, which may seem curious, but he says, the angel says this quote. He says, let the evildoers still do evil, the filthy still be evil, the righteous still do right, the holy still be holy. What is he saying? Some people are quoted as, it is, it is what it is. I don't interpret it that way. I interpret it as, there are no surprises with God. I interpret it as, the evil person, he might think he's opposing God's plan. He's part of God's plan. He's going to be evil because it's decreed. The righteous person going to be righteous because it's decreed. The holy person will be holy because it's decreed. The filthy person will be filthy because it's decreed. And none of it can upset the plans for his church. So you don't be easily shaken. That's what I interpret it as. You don't be easily shaken. You keep being righteous. And when you look at it, who's keeping us righteous? It's not us. Sometimes through our own effort, we can be tired and get weak. Thank God we don't have to rely on our own relying on God. And that's worth meditating on, especially late on a Wednesday. Every time I come here, I'm always tired. I never regret coming, but I'm still tired. But I thank God that God is not relying on my ability to have vigor to do His work. He's not relying on my vitality or my charisma or my energy. He's relying on His. And that's inexhaustible. Patty, what is on your heart for prayer tonight? Brian just mentioned uh, that how he's never regretted coming here, even though he was tired. So I'm like, oh, I've been tired for the past, I don't know, since having kids. Um, I guess <laughs> just prayer for all the, the moms, I guess, including myself, as far as getting rest being restful and being able to still teach and guide the little ones. Who wants to pray for Patty? All right. So if Patty wants to start, Heidi will go next and I will close this up. We just come before you, Lord, tonight to just be in prayer for all the moms, the young and the old, to be able to teach the little ones and guide the little ones while remaining in your strength and 
and relying on the Holy Spirit to help us through the day, whether it's making meals or teaching about your word or just being able to have some quiet time um, to spend with you. Lord, we just um, pray for um, sickness to be not with within our bodies and be able to get the food and the nourishment that we need and just to be in prayer um, to meditate on your word more and to be able to get that time in with you, Lord. And we pray all these things um, to your name. We lift them up tonight. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight and thank you for um, Patty's request. And we do come to you, Lord, as um, many have been sick. And I know just she and uh, Maya and Sammy just missed Sunday. And we um, thank you to see them here tonight, Lord. And we thank you for um, the opportunity that many of us in this room have to be parents, mothers and fathers. And then we have grandparents in the room. And we um, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you such a blessing and such a a change, Lord, in our lives when, when the little ones come along. And um, we do pray, Lord, with that responsibility, as Patty said, that we would take it um, under your supervision and we would learn how to love our children and to be the best mothers and fathers we can be and to um, be an example, Lord. We know that we will not be perfect, and we pray that even in our failings that we will show our children how to get back up. We will show them how to serve you, um, that no one will be a perfect example but we will do our best to apologize and do what we need to do when we do lose our temper but that we will um, continue to be faithful Lord bringing them to the services to show them the truth of your word and doing it at home as well we pray that we be faithful and be an example of singing along with the worship and um, enjoying the things of of the Lord and not just the things of this world like sports and other things and like Brian mentioned in his sermon not putting athletics or education or anything above truly knowing you and truly having a life that's centered around the truths of God's word and then the other things will fall into place Lord so we pray that we'd have that priority and we pray for the parents that even in this time that they have away from their children that they would take advantage of it and spend the time to pray and meditate and encourage each other in the word and remind themselves that they're not just a mother or just a father but that that's part of who they are, but that they are a child of God. They are unique, created in his image to do a purpose, and that the children will only be little for a little while. And so we have this opportunity now, but that we, um, we pray that the mothers especially don't lose their identity in being a mother, but that they embrace it in their full being as part of who they are and, um, and who they can be to, to please you, Lord. So we pray that you would just help us in that, Lord, as we balance all of those responsibilities. And we pray, Lord, that um, you'd help the fathers, the godly husbands that we have in here to continue to guide um, their wives, Lord, and encourage them and help them with the children, too, and help with discipline and things like that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we continue in prayer, and we just uh, lift up all the couples, godly couples in this church, Lord, that um, are parents of children. We lift up the mothers and their work in rearing the children and um, their work in um, protecting them and leading them and teaching them and loving them. Lord, we know it can be difficult. We know it can be tiring. We ask that you continue to just strengthen and enliven. Give them the, the vigor to continue to um, rear the children. Give them the energy, the, the focus, what's needed, Lord, to just um, continue to bless them as they 
raise children is is a very important task as a parent, Lord, to raise children and lead them in a, in a way that points to you, Lord, and continue to point them to a life that follows you. We ask that you just be with the fathers as they also work with the family structure to continue to raise children and lead them, and both parents lead the children and raise them in different ways and bring their own different dynamics to the relationship, but are required, Lord, as your plan for a family to have a mother and father to raise and lead children and point them to you, Lord. And we ask that you just strengthen the husbands as well, strengthen those families that they can continue to raise godly children, Lord, keep them connected to the church, keep them studying your word, and uh, continue to just um, help them to serve you in the little ways that they have so far, Lord, through uh, the different um, recitals we have coming up, like the Easter program, Lord, that uh, you continue to just instill in those children their need for you and the importance that you do exist and the importance of you in their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. I guess I'm Lawrence Part Due again today. So who has prayer requests? A small group. Jonathan, is that two requests or just you? Oh, okay. What? A country song coming up. very quick to throw people on. 